0: Welcome into to another episode of ESPN's MBL podcast. My name's Kane Pittman. And alongside me, my esteemed colleague and a man that is just burning the midnight oil and working around the clock right now. Olga Nullich, you can find all his fantastic work at ESPN.com.au. Follow him on socials. That's what I'm doing to get all the latest scoops from MBL free agency. Olgs, you're a busy man, but we love it.
1: Thank you, Kane. Um, I feel I feel really inadequate sometimes when I do this because I have to cut off conversations with people. I have to look down at my phone while I'm having conversations. It's, it can be. I can be super antisocial in a time like this. Uh, so I apologize in advance, but it's fun. And yeah, we get, everything is up at ESPN.com.au. All the scoops are there.
0: I have to do the same thing because my parents are staying with me in Melbourne right now. And if I don't look at my phone, they're wondering why they come to visit me and I'm ignoring them. But anyway, similar <laughs> similar stuff with you. We're going to get through a lot of the free agency news that has been dropping over the last week. We podcasted about 10 days ago uh, when free agency first opened. So we're going to, it wasn't even 10 days ago, but just before free agency. So we're going to roll through it all. Plenty of Perth Wildcats talk to come with Pinder. Travers going elsewhere. We're going to ask about Isaac Humphries. There is plenty to get through, but I need to sound the air horn because when you're podcasting, it is all about timing <laughs> and it doesn't always work out. But on this occasion, this is the perfect timing for us. And when I say us, I mean you to break some news on the SPM's <laughs> NPL podcast. What is going on with Will McDowell-White?
1: So, firstly, we we are a team. Oh, we definitely. we approach this as a team. Absolutely. Um, William McDowell White has just signed a, a new two-year deal to return to the New Zealand Breakers. Um, this obviously was not always a guarantee. There was really strong interest from Perth, and there was some uh, interest was somewhat mutual. Um, the same can be said for Tasmania Jack Jumpers too. New Zealand Breakers, though, are the team that he helped lead to the second-best record in the NBL. Uh, a game five, where they were practically a quarter away from winning a championship uh, in that championship series against the Sydney Kings. He was, you know, the head of that snake, their lead guard. There is a sense that he can return there. Modi Mayor is someone who knows his game and knows how to get the most out of him. There's a sense from McDowell and the people around him that he can go back to New Zealand. They can build a team around him again, play next to someone like Isaiah and basically get to that next level. That one extra step forward and basically live up to the, this new paycheck and then also this new sort of hype and perception that he's getting uh, of being you know a superstar in the NBL. That's the hope, and he he wants to do that in New Zealand under Modi Mayor. And they were confident that they were going to retain him the entire time.
0: I absolutely love it. And when we look at free agency, everyone gets caught up in a in the player movement because it's fun. It's fun when you see big names shift around. But I'm also just a big fan of unfinished business. And Will McDowell-White mm. played his most impact. He was awesome all season. We'll get into the numbers in just a little bit. But he played his most impactful basketball when it mattered the most. And the Breakers were under the most pressure. So I really think that there is significant development still to come for him. And for him to be in a place where he knows that he fits. He understands the system. He's now lived in New Zealand. Well, certainly for the last year, it was a bit rocky before that. But he's been with the Breakers for a while now. So it's a really comfortable Uh, fit for him to return to the breakers. So I'm really, really pumped about this one. Before we do get into any, the way he plays, the numbers, the stats, those types of things. Financially, we certainly understand that there were some teams throwing some cash around at Will McDowell White. Um, From your understanding, if you have any, was it competitive with New Zealand matching Perth and these other teams? Or is part of this, McDowell-White sitting back and saying, maybe I'm taking a little bit of a haircut, but I love it in New Zealand and I know that I can play my best basketball here.
1: From what I was told, so first of the context is a team like Perth uh, has the capacity to throw a lot of money at a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, from What I was told, the New Zealand Breakers did a really good and respectable job of effectively matching mm-hmm. as you know, negotiations with other teams went on. And so this wasn't a case of please return to us uh, because it is the loyal thing to do. Um, This was a case of New Zealand saying, we actually even knew we're going to put our money where our mouth is. Um, And so that's why this is, I think, a win-win. Because firstly, for New Zealand, uh, there was sort of a reputation that was starting to grow that they perhaps weren't a team that would pay up for a guy uh, or at least to retain someone like that. Uh, but McDowell White is making the sort of money that you absolutely have to marquee. It is a relatively significant sum of money. Other bigger market teams were willing to pay that. And the New Zealand breakers said, yeah, we, we're going to buy into you. And so they, from what I understand, effectively matched what other teams were preparing to offer.
0: McDowell White last season, a double digit score 10.8 points. And I do think even though he is really, truly a pure point guard, uh, which isn't that common these days? But he's kind of old school in that regard. was the highest frequency pick and roll ball handler in the league in terms of the amount of times that they were able to put the ball in his hands and run the offense in the half court. So you know the way he's going to play. I think the expansion in his game comes with the scoring. But six assists per game to only two turnovers takes care of the ball. And now for the breakers, we look at all these teams that were searching for a point guard at Perth In some ways, we're looking for a point guard, which makes sense why they wanted Will McDowell-White last year in Melbourne with the issues they had with Shea desperate for a point guard. So when you get your point guard locked in, it really now allows you, and we'll see if anyone comes back, particularly the imports, but it now allows the breakers to just have a really clear path forward based on last year's blueprint to put this team back together.
1: Right, and... I think an important thing to note is the, the cap implications here, which is
0: mm-hmm. the
1: number that you're, the, the extent of them you're giving McDowell White is a marqueeable number. And so in order teams will be spending practically that amount on an import point guard, but you that entire amount for an import point guard counts toward the cap. With McDowell White, only a small portion of that counts toward the cap because you can marquee him. Mm-hmm. And so that means that at least from a cap spend perspective, you can spend more money uh, that, can, that will hit the cap on other imports or other guys. And so that's why there was so much um, interest in McDowell. That's why his value was so high because you're generally spending so much money on an import point guard and all of that money counts toward the cap. So now that won't be the case here. Um, I, I just, I like, I like this because, you know he has you know found his home in New Zealand and his connection with Modi Mill is real, And that was from when Mayor was an assistant coach and, you know, was part of his development. And now, as a head coach, where, you know, McDowell White is almost an extension of of him on the floor. Um, I I like the idea now of the Breakers, who are relatively bare as far as the contracted guys they have, in build around him, basically build guys who fit the skill set of McDowell White as your lead guard. I think that's a really good starting point. They have Tom Vadanovich and they've got Camden, but, you know, the rest of that roster outside of Isaiah Liafa is, you know, not guaranteed to come back. And so, again, I like the idea of just, recruiting guys who fit around someone like McDowell who we know can be really really effective as your lead guard
0: it just would have been for me again from the outside it would have been a risky move to walk away from Modi Mayor and that connection that you're talking about when you only had one season and in that one season you have gone from a guy that was easy starting is he coming off the bench the ball's not in his hands as much as you would like does he have the confidence to shoot the outside shot to all of a sudden no you're the point guard the ball is in your hands all the time you're running the half court offense and maybe still on the balance of the season the three-point shot has some significant room for growth 32 percent on the year but again when it mattered the most the confidence of will McDowell white is what stood out to me he knocked down those two threes in that game four at home to extend the series to go to game five He was taking what the Kings elite defense was giving to him. So to walk away from the growth that we saw in such a a small period uh, would have been a huge risk. And I have to imagine for him, part of the challenge. And I've said, I don't know Will well at all, but I've spoke to him a few times. I think everyone understands he's laid back. He's kind of a quiet guy, casual, likes to keep to himself. And I've mentioned the trip that I went to New Zealand early in the season and i would never been there before. And the King's practice facility is out there and there's green grass everywhere and hills and it's just beautiful. And I asked him about <laughs> what's it like living in New Zealand and he just looked at me, got a big smile on his face and he was like, what do you reckon? I said, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's probably pretty good. I can understand why this guy feels so comfortable in New Zealand. So I, I think it just all made sense.
1: Yeah, the, the flip side to that is that I think Perth is somewhat similar. You know, there are, there are some big city vibes to Perth, but it's it's. I think it's largely it's it's a laid back, beachy city. It's Be it's it's, it's, far, it's far away. Be careful! I don't, I don't know what people. I don't know what people there care about as far as what I think about this city. Um, <laughs> as in, it's it's a it's it's smaller than Sydney and Melbourne, and it yes. is really far away. So if you do want a laid back, chilled sort of place, uh-huh, uh-huh. Perth is is far away enough and secluded enough that that's that's a similar sort of vibe. And so if if that was the decision he made, I don't think it's too much of a difference from like a, a lifestyle perspective. um, Something that I imagine played a role, and I, I think about this with a lot of players is, you know, do I stay where I am and, you know, continue the growth or do I go somewhere else and, and try my best to, I guess, grow in different ways? And I think the fear of going somewhere else is that, you have to have a coach who has to learn you know who you are your tendencies yeah. the way you operate as a, as a not just as a player but as a human being and so you're you're starting a relationship with a coach from scratch um now will McDowell white and john really are no strangers of course but there's a difference when you coach someone and so you have modi mayor who's had him for what three plus years now and there is a relationship that gets built there and then you get to grow with someone and they get to learn you over that time. And so you, he gets to go into next season starting from all the way up here. Whereas if you went somewhere else, that relationship starts down low and you have to try to expedite all that growth up to that point from a from a relationship standpoint. And so this was, in a sense, the safe move. But that doesn't mean that it was uh, the, the move that – it wasn't the weak move. And I think that has to be noted too. Just because it was safe doesn't mean it was weak um it's safe in that he has demonstrated to play this role that he wants to do in this system and so why would you change when there is no guarantee that it would be anything similar you go back to what's demonstrated there's a good reason that similar results will 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 come from it
0: no i agree when i say safe and i'm not saying you were saying that i was saying that but when i say safe i think it's safe in terms of i feel not that i wouldn't have been confident if you went elsewhere But I feel really confident that in the same system, under the same coach, in the same building, same environment, that the growth will just continue. If you go somewhere else, there's just question marks because how does the team come together? And the Perth Wildcats have made significant changes to their roster and they're going to continue to do so. And perhaps the pursuit for a point guard now will continue with Will McDowell-White uh, deciding to stay in new zealand so i mentioned it at the top i am just fired up about the timing of this podcast and mcdowell white signing <laughs> and olgan ulic just getting an Alice scoop for espn.com.au
1: <laughs> and let me say this from from the early returns as far as the reaction from around the league from texas Loving i've gotten uh, so th- this news is, is maybe half an hour old at this point yes. um the people are happy uh yeah. not just because th- there is there is an anti-perth Spring that goes through some people in the NBL, uh, oh. but also the idea of New Zealand, which is like which is effectively a small market when it comes to keeping Australian talent. Um, for them to be able to retain someone like McDowell White, who had ears from across the league, I think people are really happy for New Zealand, and not in a patronizing way. In a like really like good on you, like for for keeping a guy like that, because uh, that's easy to do. And so that speaks to the Breakers and their ownership and Modi Mayor and the relationships they've been able to forge. You know, over the past few years, to keep a guy like that who, you know, is potentially an NBA player in a, in a few years. And so, credit to them. And it seems as though the rest of the league is, is really half for them, which is very nice.
0: Speaking of small markets that are going to have some issues with keeping some players, and they've already lost one the Cairns Taipans with Keanu Pinder. So, he goes to the Perth Wildcats. Uh, this was probably along with Will McDowell-White, the two big names that everyone has been glued into and trying to see what's going to happen with these guys. And the timing of this signing for the Perth Wildcats, I'm not saying that they needed damage control, but I'm going to say that it was beautiful damage control because Luke Travers decides that he's going to move on. The last time we podcasted together we were speculating what would happen with Luke Travers, or certainly I was speculating and saying that I think that maybe it's the right time for him to move elsewhere and have a look at at another opportunity and see if you can get a different fit, different opportunities. But to bring in Keanu Pinder at a position where the Wildcats got good production offensively, but not good on the other end. And the whole club struggled (laughs) there. We understood that this defensive side of the ball was going to be a primary target. Hinder's dominating overseas right now, still appears to be a guy on the growth curve. And unfortunately, we just didn't see enough of him on the floor last season with a number of injuries that he had and getting his face crushed and just all sorts of bad luck for him down the end. Yeah, But he is a guy that when he was on the floor for the Cairns Taipans, we were talking about being an MVP candidate.
1: Yeah, and you say he didn't play much and and he didn't play anywhere near as close to how much we wanted him to. But when he did... He looked like an elite big man in the NBL, and so for the Wildcats to go and get him again—not just one of the top two local free agency class, but also a local guy, someone from Perth, um, which is a, a directive. Uh, it's it's something that you know they're they're doing intentionally. They're trying to get local guys. They've just signed David Aquera to a three-year deal as well, and so getting Keanu Pinda, who is a really cool switchy defender, and is one of the better one of the best rebounders in the nbl it just it fixes so many of the the issues i think the foundational issues that that team has been dealing with for the past like two seasons um and as much as it was it was cool i guess to see them try and be this all out offensive team we're going to we talk about this all the time we're not going to stop talking about it if you're a good defensive team there's a good chance you're going to be a good team top four defensive teams in the league last season were the top four teams. We will continue to, to bang on about that until it is no longer true. And while it remains true, this signing makes so much sense. Uh, and yes, the Wildcats front office, their backs were against the wall here because Luke Travers had just made the decision not to return. Um, it looked like their entire playing roster was bare. It was practically just Bryce Cotton on the, on the roster. Now they bring in, you know, a, a marquee level local guy like Keanu Pinder, who I think fits really well, I think cleans up a lot of their issues. It was an absolute home run of a signing from Danny Mills in that front office.
0: So Keanu Pinder and DJ Hogue. And just for an idea of how limited Pinder was, particularly in the back half of the season, and this is uh, via Spatial Jam. So Keanu Pinder last season, 1,079 possessions throughout NBL 23. DJ Hogue was up at 2,067. So... He he played half the basketball that DJ Ho did. And that was the duo that defensively was awesome for the Cairns Taipans when those two guys were on the mm-hmm. floor. Cairns Taipans defensive rating was under 100 points, which, if you're not, if that doesn't mean a lot to you just listening to this, all I can say is that is an elite number. Like they just were not giving up mm-hmm. points uh, with those two on the floor. So now you say, okay, what are the Wildcats going to do at the four spot? Because Luke Travers isn't there. The one thing I have on Pinder before we move to Travers. So last year, 77% of his shots, uh, Pinder this is, came at the rim. He finished at 56% efficiency, which is down on the league average. And yes, it's a high volume, so there's some stuff there. But that's where the growth is for him. But it felt like a lot of his baskets for the Cairns Taipans were tough. He was working through contact, whether mm. it was two guys, whether he might have been off balance or he was just using brute force get into the basket, which we know he can do. But now you put him with a point guard. Don't know who it's going to be. Uh, Bryce Gotten, who you yeah. know, is going to have the ball in his hands and has had an excellent partnership with John Mooney, Nick Kay, all these guys. I'm excited to see whether there is easier points on offer for Keanu Pinder because if he can take that efficiency to the next level, then you forget what we were talking about last year as an MVP-type guy. is playing along Bryce. Can you win the MVP playing to Bryce? I don't know. Probably not. Uh, but if he becomes more not. efficient... That is, uh, we're talking about uh, going to another level. Yeah, and I don't.
1: And this might sound like a knock, but I see someone like Keanu Pinda as like an elite role player, uh, in the sense that I think he just fills so many gaps um, and does all those little things. I don't think he's necessarily the guy that you're throwing the ball into and, t- and saying, "Hey, go get us a bucket." But I think he can be elite defensively, and I think his ability to rebound, his ability to roll hard. Uh, I I wonder if. The three-point shooting we're seeing with him at Lebra, uh, and that he showed a bit early in his career, is going to carry over to maybe being something that's a little bit more more prolific in Perth. Um, if he could do all those things, then I think there's a good chance that he can live up to this contract that he signed, which is quite immense, from what I'm told. Um, I, I, I'm really looking forward to the partnership with uh, Bryce Cotton because I just I love the idea of having a really dynamic. Uh, mobile two-way kind of four or five sort of player next to Bryce Cotton I think it'll open up so much for him as well and I think that's an underrated part of this too you know Keanu as someone who can roll extremely hard and, and crash the boards. I, I think that this doesn't take away too much from Perth offensively and I think it adds so much defensively again it just ticks a whole ton of boxes that this team needed um, and again they needed to do that because of the Travers news um, and where he goes next is still an unknown. Both Melbourne teams are are in that conversation as a, a few others, but I think this is as good a replacement, especially from a local perspective, as you're going to get.
0: So just quickly on Travis before we move on to some other topics here, uh, last podcast I was probably suggesting that, to me at least, Sydney made a hell of a lot of sense. There's going to be an opening there. There's a proven model with a skill set that you can thrive uh, with the Sydney Kings mm. and Chase Buford's back and they want to play the same way. That's where Travis can thrive. Defensive-minded team that likes to play fast. That makes sense yep. to me. Melbourne United, perhaps another team. Any thoughts or uh, little little nuggets you want to let us in on? Oh, I guess that's what I'm really getting to here.
1: Okay, relax. Um, so... <laughs> So, look, but both Melbourne teams are two teams that are going to be talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the the issue I see with them is the the role that he wants to play. He's, and he wants to be a, a more, more perfect player. He wants the ball in his hands a bit more. He wants to take, you know, that leap in his development. And does that happen with Mitch Creek on your team? I don't know. Does that happen with you stepping into what actively is like the Jack White role? You know, was he not just doing something like that in Perth? So I don't don't know if they're necessarily the better landing spots. I agree with you. And as much as my reporting doesn't indicate that Sydney is, you know, at all, you know, in, you know, the top of the mix for him, I do like the fit in the sense of, you know, if you can put him in that Xavier Cooks role as Xavier Cooks light and build around that as someone who can, you know, the ball rim and push it. And I think he's really adept defensively too. Like you said, I think he can slot into that role. Um, in the offense that this team has been doing for the past two seasons, and be really effective in it. Whether they actually get it done, or whether there's inter- mutual interest, there is a different story. But I like this a lot, and I think especially in order to prime yourself to the, to get to the NBA, and he's been drafted, and so his rights are owned by the Cavaliers. You know, if he wants to expedite that process of getting to the NBA, the Sydney Kings are the one place in NBL that has demonstrated over and over again that they are the most effective at. at getting players ready to to take that step.
0: And so I, I think for Travers it starts with being on a team that plays defense. So that would be the one thing I would say for Melbourne United. A few hiccups last year. Mm. We understand why things changed, but you know, history suggests that this is going to be a team that's going to be strong defensively. And we learned towards the back end of last year that they understand offensively, they need to get going a little bit and you think they're going to sort out uh, the point guard, point guard stuff, and hopefully Shea Lee uh, plays a lot more than he did last season. We'll see what happens there. But that's why I think that uh, that could work. And it may be the Jack White will always say, well, he didn't have the ball in his hands enough, but hey, it still worked out for him. Look where he is right now as well. And ultimately, that's True. where Luke Travers wants to get to. Speaking of Melbourne United, so Hook is coming back, which... He sort of declared that he wanted to months ago, but now that's come through and that's been official. So Isaac Humphries is going to be somewhere. He's definitely a guy now, if we talk about the bigger name local players that I'm very intrigued by because a few little niggles last year, but for the most part, this is the longest stretch we've got to actually watch him play. And particularly defensively, I thought he was pretty damn good.
1: Yeah, the... Humphrey's landing spot is interesting because on one hand, some teams do still have questions about his body, which I, and I think he largely answered them over the course of his season with Melbourne. Um, then the other thing is, you know, where is there a fit for a big man? And, and and on top of that, there aren't that many quality local bigs left. And so, you know, he's probably at the top of that list at this point. Um, you know, I'm told the Adelaide 36ers had a sniff. Um, I don't think, that's the landing spot for him eventually i i think they've moved off him Stinnings have also asked the question and so they they may be in the mix but as of now i really don't have that much intel on isaac Humphries and his next landing spot um there is obvious interest in him led the league in blocks led the league in in block percentage he is a pretty proven you know starter level big and you know you can have him come off the bench and you have this elite rim protector um, I think teams are just working with pretty, you know, fixed rosters at this point, uh, and and that's the the tough thing. You know, there's someone like you look at Justin Schuler, who you know would have had some interest in him, but you know, Aaron Baines in that starting spot there, and so you, you can't really maneuver anything there. Um, and so, look, there there is a ton of interest. He will find a find a home. It is way too early to say oh, where he's going to end up.
0: So we were able to put a little piece together for espn.com.au last week around the signing of mike kelly as head coach for the southeast melbourne phoenix earlier in the week we did another story and we were just ripping out the joint stories last week what a week it was and we (laughs) were going through and i jotted down some ideas of why i think or where i think teams need to to really focus in on in the offseason and with the phoenix i said they need to get a bench and they need to get some some quality local veterans. We know the year before they lost uh, Leafa. And Cam Glidden wasn't playing a lot, but they did lose him as well. And I, I think that hurt over the balance of the season. I don't think there was enough guys there that had the trust to play big minutes. So if I'm looking at the Phoenix and I'm looking at Mike Kelly, you think you've got a, a few key spots locked up, but I'm, I'm really looking at the bench and I've heard you all over my social media feed talking about Bull Quall. What other contingencies... <laughs> have we got for the phoenix
1: well, the phoenix well the phoenix have of course book Bulk, book wall is, is the big one yeah that, that people are waiting for um and he's know, probably a starter someone, to be fair yeah that is true um and i also like him as a starter there because if they're going to be a, the same sort of post-up team that there were i like the idea of planting book in the complete opposite corner make that floor as wide as possible to let guys like mitch creek and alan williams do their thing on the low block um as far as you know, the ancillary guys that they might bring in, uh, I I'm told that the conversations are still ongoing with Ryan Brockoff, and I'd be surprised if he left. Um, yeah. I wonder if maybe he's a bench guy going forward, and, and I think there has to be a conversation about that. Is do you trust some a, a body like Ryan Brockoff to start? Because when he goes down, then you know you don't want to put all your eggs in that basket anymore. And I think that's why they're going after someone like Um Reese Vague is someone who they they're expected to announce in the next few days as. You know, a decent four man off the bench. I don't think he's going to be an absolute game changer, but he's a solid shooting four man. And so, one of the issues with this team was shooting, and we spoke about this all along. And, and again, if you're going to be a post up heavy team, you need to be able to to stretch the floor. Reese Fague sort of helps in that regard. Um, I am under the impression that Carl Adams more more than likely not returning, and so they lose someone like him. I expect a bump in minutes for like Owen Foxwell. Um, and so yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. I, I'm there aren't that many. The the low guys are slowly dwindling. They're they're getting off that that free agent sheet that I'm working with, and so there aren't that many guys left out there. They had interest in Angus Glover before, you know, he quickly re-upped with the Sydney Kings, and so these are guys who obviously fit around Mitch Creek and Alan Williams from the shooting perspective. And now Mike Kelly's, you'll have a bigger defensive focus, but you know, there the guys the names are sort of slowly kind of getting off the board at this point. It, it's it's going to be tricky for these going forward.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely fascinated uh, with the way that the Phoenix will play on offense. You've got Alan Williams. Yeah, there's going to be a heavy presence down low. They're probably going to be a high uh, free throw rate team get to the line a lot because you add in Mitch Creek there as well. But they're also, or they also shot fewer threes uh, by, a, by a ratio than any other team in the league last year. So that's why, yeah, you have a legit threat. Uh, or more legit threats out there and reese vague you know i love reading out the numbers but i'm just going pure eye test i feel like this guy over the last 24 months with the boomers is shooting 97 percent from three the man never misses <laughs> he never misses so that will be a really handy addition i think for the way this team uh wants to play so i love it i, I think that's a great signing
1: yeah and then credit to, to mick randall for reporting that a few days ago um you know I just think as much as I don't know if the overall skill set is demonstrated enough because he's just, he's been doing it in Japan and it's really tough to, um am oh, getting a call. That's no, not important. Um, Damn it. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, we're good. We will continue. Um,
0: oh, I'm just upset good. because Credit I thought we were getting another scoop here. I was just getting really excited. No, get <laughs> Oleg's phone is hot right now at the back end of the podcast. <laughs> a call could come through any uh, second. That's why
1: I feel, I usually I'll just ignore right away, but I, I have to, at this time of year, I have to check it, Kane. I like it, um, I like it. But, but, but yeah, I, I, like, I, like the, I like the fit there. Again, he's been playing in Japan, so it's very tough to get an actual gauge on, you know, where he is in his development. Uh, but, you know, coming out of Western Australia, he was a really highly touted prospect. So this was always, the NBL was always the level he was probably going to play at. Um, and I, again, I just, I like the investment in the skill set. Uh, we spoke again, we, we, we continue to harp on it that this, this team didn't have complimentary shooters. And so, and, and it looks like that is a focus and that is a great direction that this team and Tommy Greer are going in.
0: All right. Let's wrap this thing up. What else you got? Any tidbits you want to throw out there before we get out of here?
1: Um, so I just reported Jason Kadide, mm-hmm. uh agreed to a two year deal with the 36ers. So he gives them a ton of you know creation options off the bench. It was something they struggled with, because as soon as Craig Randall left, then they sort of kind of dragged their feet getting Ian Clark in. They just didn't have many perimeter creators. And I think he brings that. I think he brings, you know, quality out shooting too, as much as he's coming off, you know, probably his worst three-point shooting year in a little bit. You know he, he brings that. he's fairly demonstrated as, as a guard and, and a creator in the NBL um what else do i have i have a if for those listening to this on wednesday afternoon or evening i have a scoop that uh i believe will drop on thursday with regard to the cans taipans so keep keep an eye out for that one um i've been really waiting for this mcdowell white one to to flush through so i'm very happy that that one's uh, out of the way um outside of that not really much else i'm focusing on i know there is some interest from Adelaide in Mango Matiang. That's an interesting one to look at because 36 is having some some struggles trying to lock in who they really want for that that five spot. Um, they they've been looking for a local, um, and then it's just I'm interested to see where some of these uh, the remaining free agents end up. You know, we've still got Tanner Krebs on the board, we've still got Anthony Drumick on the board. Um, you know, Mango Matiang, someone like Hiram Harris, Ben Air. There there are guys just floating out there, and they're all I think. Most of, if not all of those guys are going to find homes. So
0: yeah, stay tuned. Definitely stay tuned. And Olx, you're always a happy guy. And every time we podcast, we have fun. There's no doubt about that. But there is just a different level of enthusiasm when you podcast immediately after you get a scoop. So this has been great stuff. Perfect timing, as I mentioned a couple of times through this podcast. But we're going to wrap it up right now because you're going to get back to work and start working the phones, there's no doubt. Check out... Olgan, well, he's fine work at espn.com.au, but also on all the socials at Olgan Ulich on Twitter. His Instagram is back up and firing with all the NBL news as well. So make sure you check him out there. And I say it with all sincerity, we have fun on this podcast, but you're absolutely on fire, mate. I love it. And uh, keep the updates coming because I am having a great time with all these sign ins and announcements.
1: Thank you, Kane. Uh, And also stay tuned for a bunch of NBA. Kind of forward content that we have coming the regular season is about to end kane has some interviews with some of the australians play over there things are heating up as the regular season's ending we're going to head into the postseason so we've got you covered across the board
0: man i am excited for the nba playoffs and we're going to be doing some podcasts there as well as you pointed to so it's going to be a lot of fun the point being that uh, the work doesn't stop and the content doesn't stop. So we're going to keep it coming. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. If you haven't already, and you want to know when we drop it, because a little bit more sporadic in the off season, because sometimes stuff happens that you just got a podcast straight away. So the only way that you will immediately be notified is if you are subscribed and follow on whatever platform you listen to and turn the notifications on, and you can jump straight on the podcast as soon as we drop it. So we'll leave it there. Until next time, for Kane Pittman and Olga Nulich, we'll catch you next time
1: everyone.